Hello. Back again. Mitch and Grant. Episode 6, Kaleidoscope. This episode is on control. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is this irrational sense that being in control somehow makes you safer. And the first example I would give of this is people not liking the self-driving cars that they have because they feel that they're going to be a better driver than the self-driving car. And, you know, the the main argument you'll hear from people, which is true, is that uh, these cars can drive way more miles on average and have proven so than the average human can without getting into an accident. And so they're far safer. Plus, they don't get distracted by texting, which we know you do. Don't pretend you don't do it, because you definitely do. And they never drink and drive, which we know you do also. And they never get distracted by dogs chewing on squeaky toys in the back seat. So, you know, that, that's the real argument there is that there's this, there's this desire, this desperate desire for control that we want to control everything. When in reality, we should just, you know, let go and it's going to be all right. I know you said you had a couple examples about that. Oh, yeah, about control. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just small, just small things. Like, that's one of them. Also, just to go off that, like, planes. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. But planes are an example where people, like my dad, he's deathly afraid of fl- planes. Mm-hmm. He will not fly. He's never flown in his life. He's been to almost every state in the fucking country. <laughs> will not. Hey. Will not fly at all. Uh, because he's not in control of the plane. Right? Yet, mm-hmm. when I was a child, we had this, uh, he got a deal on this old-ass Corvette. And he wasn't planning on keeping it. He was just fixing it up to sell it. But still, as a kid, I thought it was badass. Oh, shit, we have a Corvette. Uh, you know? So, anyway, him being the reckless fuck that he was, especially when he was younger, he gets in this fucking thing. He's like, watch us here, boy. And I'm like, okay. He's like, look here. Fucking... This motherfucker guns it in reverse. <laughs> down the street. And fucking halfway... And then he fucks up and halfway backs it into the creek in front of the house. <laughs> and we had to get the fucking uh, tow truck to pull it out. Okay, so so much for his fucking control. <laughs> and then another time, he was mowing up at the pond behind our house. And uh, he ran over a black snake and he got distracted from it. And he ended up fucking riding around the edge too close to the pond and he fell in. <laughs> and we had to get with the, the fucking, mower. Yeah, with the mower. <laughs> and we had to fucking we had to pull him out. So, you know, it's definitely irrational. You you're not as in control as you think you are. Yeah. I guess uh it's kind of an illusion then, isn't it? That you're yeah. actually in control of anything. Like oh, how yeah. much control do you think we actually have compared to fucking what we think? None. Little to none. It's just chaos. I mean I feel like that to a certain degree you, you have control. I mean it's it's not a, you know, a dualism where you either don't have any or you have everything, which is what we like to think of it as. But really, I think you have control to a certain degree. That's right. what, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, I want to kind of parse that out and figure out how, to what degree is a person responsible for their lives. Because there is, there is some, something to that. Right. Well... I don't know. I mean, I think it's circumstantial. 
it's circumstantial as to what how how much control you have and i think a lot of it has to do with your headspace a lot of it is your ego where do you feel you are in your life i think if you're the higher up you are or at least the higher up you perceive yourself to be the more in control you think you are so but then people who aren't higher up on the ladder uh you know they feel and that's a lot of times that's why they stay where they're at it's because a lot of it's self-esteem it's confidence a lot of it probably stems from childhood this that and the other and they feel as if they don't have control and they'll use this as an excuse to not press forward or to try to strive in a better direction because even if they did that they wouldn't have control anyway and they'd still lose right so it wouldn't be worth it yeah it's interesting just to look at how people think about it though that are successful and most of them i would venture to say would be would take on the opinion at least privately that they're fully responsible for their own success whereas i think in reality even the most successful people um or just lucky in some way or another. I mean, you can, you can do the work, you know, you can go to college and apply to 200 jobs instead of 20 and get the best paying one. But, you know, at the end of the day, you were smart enough to go to college. You lived in a country that was easy to get into college. Um, you know, you, you went, I mean, just being, if you just look at, you know, time and place of being born, that's the most basic thing. But who your parents were, I mean, if you had shitty parents, your chances of going to college are way less. So I, I feel like a lot of the success that people encounter in life aren't isn't even from their own control. It's just circumstantial. Right. Yeah. It definitely is. And <clears throat> I don't know. Like I, I feel like, yeah, we do have some control, but we have far less than we perceive. You know, there are certainly things you can do most of it is circumstantial i feel but especially when it comes to the greater aspect of life you all you're doing is trying to find a fucking absolute sliver of control in a world of absolute chaos okay we we strive to establish order that doesn't mean there there is no inherent order we establish it we define order but by default, it's just chaos. That's all. So how much order you order and control you put into the world is subjective to the individual. So not everyone is going to feel that way. There are some people who just dwell, they just live in the chaos and that's their life. And that's what, you know, it feels natural to them. And then there's some people who are just very controlled and everything has to be a particular way all the time. Yeah. But what you'll learn at the end of the road, if you don't just fucking die from random chance before you ever, you know, receive this lesson is, as someone who formerly was extremely controlling and had everything, and I'm still a very, you know, meticulous person, I can assure you, you have fucking way less than you think you do. Life does not care. It does not discriminate. It it, it matters not. So I would say that Anyone who is successful and uh, really has experienced, not not just wrote off the fortunes of circumstance and the past and family and whatnot, I would say that anyone who's successful and suffered 
through the hard times, the trials and tribulations and whatnot, they would go to say that, yeah, luck's a part of it, this, that, and the other. And they, they wouldn't be so arrogant to say that, oh, it's all them all the time. That it's, it's, an, it's an effort around that, you know, and that ultimately they would probably concede that, look, I got this far. Most, some of it was me. Some of it was luck. Some of it was this. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, just like that, it's gone. Yeah. You know, anything can just bulldoze it over and you're done. I think the key here is that nature is in control. Yeah, nature that, always wins. And that in humans, um, we tend to, you know, we have, we want, we're like opposed to nature in some deep philosophical way in that sense. Whereas nature is viewed as chaos and order is viewed as what humans are in pursuit of. I mean, if you just look at the cities, you know, from the sky, there's all these little, you know, you're trying to always square everything off. All the houses are square. The rooms are square-shaped. Like, we're always trying to tidy everything up and make it look neat and rectangular and you know, right angles. It's just interesting how, how our architecture represents that and the design of our cities. Um, or even, you know, if you're OCD. Like, I know you like to always put your shit at, like, you know, right angles. Yeah, and shit. yes. There's certain angles yeah. and orders and shit. Yeah. So it's just that we're as humans, we're just desperately trying to create order out yeah, of it's, the, the it's, chaos that surrounds us. Absolutely. I think it's just subconscious, yeah. reactive uh, scenario where you realize. I think every human, you know, to be human, to be conscious, is to understand that life ends, and that ultimately, your you're nothing. You're just this tiny speck in this utter vast expanse of complete chaos. So you want to find, and that's what you, know, you talk about the square homes and the square rooms and, and the right angles and all that stuff, all the 90 degrees, this, that, and the other. It's true, but that's because we're, we try to dig out this spot of perfection. We want to, to mark out this one little spot where there are no flaws. There, there are no mistakes. There, are, there is no chaos, and that we feel that we have complete control of it, and that it can't be tainted or tarnished or destroyed. You know, because we, because I think ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all this stems from fear of death. I think a lot of it stems from just you're afraid yeah. to die. You're afraid to let go and to just understand that you are very much a product of the chaos. Yeah. Whichever way you want to view it, whatever God you believe, what lack of a God, doesn't matter. You are very much living in a world of chaos. I think the fear of that, the fear of death, like you were saying, and the fact that we're going to die is, is the pinnacle of that chaos. I mean, that's the single most important event. It's inescapable that every person has to deal with that is the sheer force and archetype of chaos itself, which is death. And everyone's terrified of that and i feel like that has such a profound psychological impact that it causes us to want to constantly be creating order out of everything we see i think that might be the cause of it because you know humans are the only ones that are aware of that the ant that they're going to die as an animal right and so that would explain why humans are the only ones that create cities and communities with these neat little squared off areas well just as it's just just us trying to stave off the idea of death and chaos and you talk about staving off death and this a perfect example of this this is the one i originally thought of the plane popped in my head and and, you know my dad but what i originally thought of uh before we started recording was 
the signs that people put out in front of their house like uh and i have them too i mean i actually yeah. have home security but it's like yeah stick a fucking sign in the grass like yeah. this, this home is secured <laughs> don't come in like yeah. if someone wants to come in your house and like rape and fucking murder you they're gonna do it yeah nothing's gonna fucking yeah. stop them like you think because you have this rinky dink <laughs> i have a fucking sign and like little sensors on my doors that's it yeah. Like if you if you're gonna fucking come murder me, you're gonna do it. Like yeah. that's just the reality of it. And then yeah. you know, I have my guns and stuff, and you know, I believe in that shit. I'm I'm for it. But it's at the end of the day, if someone like snaps my fucking door down in a half a second, I don't yeah. have time. Like I'm dead. Whatever. Yeah, it's like when you when you drive on the interstate, and there's a there's a car that's driving to the side of you, and they they wiggle just a little bit, you get all paranoid and start slowing down and get away from this guy. But yeah, it's just ridiculous because at any moment it's like. It's just, it's ridiculous and that then you're, you're, you're trying you're, to prevent it. Your overcorrection of yeah. his perceived mistake yeah. then makes you make a mistake yeah. that can hurt someone else. But there's no, it's, it's funny because it's like we're always paranoid about that, but there's really no reason to be paranoid because you, you could just get taken out at any time. Like if someone wanted to, they could just come right, right up behind you and just, or right up to the side of you and just <laughs> run you right off the road. Yeah, I mean. Or have you ever thought about like if you're driving down like a two-way street, you know, mm-hmm. where there's just one little line separating the two directions of travel? What if a car just decided to just drive into you? Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, that's There's fucking. De- you you ever do. seen the movie Death Proof, Tarantino movie? Uh huh. That's exactly what happens in that movie. It's like it's exact road you're talking about. It's pretty dope, and he's like the stuntman guy, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know that's what he does. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen this <laughs> fucking eleven year old movie, uh, but you know he he's driving down this road, and these girls are driving too and they got their like, the leg and arm hanging out the window they're just chilling having a great old time cruising cruising on old back road and here this motherfucker comes just barreling down the road and then he goes head on to him and just rails him it's actually pretty sweet and when he i mean that cinematography is like really cool when he hits him it shows the crash four different times and how it impacted each girl. Like, this girl's leg got fucking ripped off and thrown into the weeds and shit, and this girl's fucking head gets smashed in by the tire. So, I mean, yeah, any second, anybody could do whatever the fuck they want. Like, people are so... I've said this before. It's it's incredible, and I think a lot of it has to do with the news, which is just utter fucking cancer. It is trash. It is fear-mongering at its absolute fucking worst. Like my mom watches that shit, Fox News. Oh my God, Mitch, you're not going to believe it. Somebody got murdered five miles from your house. Yeah, people get fucking murdered. People die. People, It just happens. It could be me. It might be me. Whatever. It's life. People die. People do weird shit. People do dumb shit. You know? So people are propelled. And that's what further instigates this sense of control that is completely absurd. Because... We're told by the news that we need this, this, and that, and this, this, and this is happening, and that's happening, when really nothing's fucking changing whatsoever. Yeah. And we go out and buy shit we don't need, a bunch of crap, like, you know, home security. Do I really need home security? Yeah. Probably fucking not. Like, if somebody wants my shit, they'll take it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. None of the shit matters. Nothing. That's my fucking dog's alarm. Sorry. Yeah. Nothing, nothing fucking matters. I'm on the same thing with that. I mean, I think you should do what you can to not make yourself an easy target like i'm not saying you need to go get a security system unless every other house in your neighborhood has a security system at which point you stand out yeah, but and I, they do in my neighborhood yeah so i mean but i mean just basic things like you know i lock my doors 
when I leave my car or my house or my apartment, I always lock the doors. But that's not because I think it's going to stop someone from breaking in. It's almost absurd that I lock it because it's it's. Have you ever kicked in a door? It's so easy to kick in a door. It's ridiculous. You can do it usually on your first try with just one kick. Not like an expert, you know, kicking. You don't have to have MMA classes. Like any... Are you talking about a car door or door? No, a house door. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck. Yeah, I'll, any I'll lock a fuck. door and then Libby can just like easily. I'm like, how did you get in here? I don't know. Yeah. I just fucking wiggled it or something. Yeah. Like, oh. It's so easy. Like just one solid kick or running into it with your shoulder will break any door open. Unless it's, you know, one of the ones that like opens up. If you pull it, you can't mm-hmm. break in a pull door like that. But yeah. the point is... It's just it's, you're not making your house safe by locking it. All you're doing is you're making it so someone can't just walk in, you know. Yeah. If hopefully you're you're just betting that someone else has theirs unlocked and they'll go to theirs instead. Yeah, I mean it's just it's gotten ridiculous. Yeah. I mean it's every, it's every little thing like the amount of shit that people want to sell you, and a lot of it comes back yeah. to marketing and sales and all this shit and, and fear. It's yeah. all fear-based. Every ounce of this comes so from many. fear. Oh, I could think of so many examples of how, like, the security systems that we just talked about is the biggest one, right? It's giving people this false sense of security. And they always say in those commercials, peace of mind, right? Yeah. Like, bitch, this, it's not going to help you. You know what the average police response time is to a home alarm system? It's like 15 minutes. You know it's how fucking slow, yeah. You know how much someone can do to you in 15 minutes <laughs> and then still drive away? Yeah. Like well, one time someone was fucking with my shit. You know, I had an issue. This dude was fucking with my, uh, pulled my fucking mailbox out. This was, you know, a ways back. Pulled my fucking mailbox out, smashed it up, broke the fucking windows off my car, all this shit. And, you know, I didn't know if he had a gun or what. I didn't know the situation. So I didn't, like, go the fuck outside. I didn't, at the time, I didn't have a gun. I didn't own one. And I didn't know if the dude was armed or what i didn't know the situation mm-hmm. you know he's fucking irrational he's angry i don't know what's going on so i'm like fuck that shit so i call the cops yeah you know that's their job that's what they're supposed to do motherfucker shows up three hours later like, i could have been dead by now fucking idiot the dude thankful he just went yeah. away you know but it's just shit like that he's a nice nice guy yeah. and all but it's you know that's yeah, just the you, way it you, is they're basically useless yeah it, relying it on the cops for any kind of safety I remember when I used to work at this McDonald's when I was a teenager, we had this guy come in. We'll see, the, the inside of the store closed at midnight, but the drive-thru was open all night. And so this guy came to the drive-thru at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I guess we got his order wrong. So he got mad, and he like fucking ripped the door because there's just a tiny lock that keeps the door from opening to get into the dining area. And all he does is just open it really hard, and it breaks the lock. He just poof, comes in there, and he starts yelling at us, complaining about the food. And so we hit the little uh silent alarm under the counter that calls the cops and anyway this dude left and like an hour later this one fat cop shows up not he's he's not like you know all paranoid looking with his hand on his gun he just walks right in hey what's up y'all i got a call from over here They're like yeah it was the silent alarm you're supposed to respond to that immediately that means someone's in here with a gun threatening people it's just the most ridiculous thing ever it's like if someone wants, it's like we were saying, if someone wants to do something, they're just going to do it. Your best well, bet is just to be nice to people. <laughs> well, yeah, like when you're walking around, yeah. you know, people, people just be so fucking paranoid. They're just walking somewhere and they think everyone, it, and I think this is mostly an American problem. 
you know, you're walking and like, you know, you're checking behind you, you know, yeah. paranoid and shit. Like, what's this guy gonna do? This fucking yeah. guy might do this, might, might do that. Yo, shit. You know, I'd be careful walking in the fucking dark to my car. Yeah. And like, everyone, we just live in this world where we've, you know, we've had everyone pinned as like, oh, everyone's a fucking rapist. Everyone's a murderer. Everyone's yeah. crazy. Everyone's They're guilty violent. until proven innocent. Yeah, just. You know, you just need to calm down. Most people probably think the same fucking thing you do. Yeah. Just calm down. It's all, it's just so much fear. And a lot of it is media, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it's just spread like, like again, like a cancer. It's constant. Yeah. People are surrounded by it. And they think that at any second, someone's going to kick their fucking door in and like rape their wife or some insane preposterous shit that is so yeah. incredibly unlikely. I'm not saying these things don't happen, but the odds of it are so unlikely. Another thing is like a home break-in. I don't have a statistic up in front of me, but I can assure you, if you fucking want to take the time to Google it, most home break-ins usually, and even kidnappings, are by someone you know. Yeah. They're not even by strangers. Yeah. You know? Like, and there, I live there's in a certain, there's even a way smaller percentage of people that come in that are looking to hurt anyone. The dude yeah, just, just wants want your TV. Shit. They just want shit. And it's like, <laughs> I live in a very average home, an average neighborhood. Yeah. What the fuck do you want from me? Go somewhere where somebody actually has something worth taking. Yeah. I'm like middle of the road as fuck. You know, there, there's nothing here for you that, that you can't get better elsewhere. You know? So, people just... Are, it's ridiculous you know i'm all for privacy but it's not because of fear you know it's because i just like peace and quiet yeah you know i don't like to be constantly surrounded by just fucking noise and absurdity that's all i just want to be in my own little world for a while but it's not out but of fear i don't thing. have that I fear the same thing though is you the 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 driving force for it isn't the same but you you still want that everyone wants their little patch of order in the middle of this jungle of chaos that's like that's what property is yeah that's like your house yeah exactly you know Mm -hmm. and you decorate it like these walls you decorate it with shit you want and this that and the other it makes you feel comfortable it makes you this and look it's like when someone's house gets broken into it they feel like it was like a violation yeah Yeah, you were violated it, I mean, safe really, space anymore. there's a fucking such yeah, thing. Just all I rode by Target yeah. a ways back, like this, is like a year ago. They have a fucking yeah. sign. They have a safe space apparently in Target. Yeah. I don't know the details of it. Yeah, like yeah. I remember when we were tripping acid in your backyard that time. I remember thinking, like, oh, this is great. We're in this backyard. No one's gonna mess with us. And I started thinking, like, well, what, what kind of prevention is there actually right now from someone the coming fucking in? Fucking four and foot fucking high chain. There's link like fence. a four foot high chain link fence. So I started thinking about. It. I was like. Holy shit, the only thing protecting us right now is just social norms. Just that's this it. idea that it's not cool to jump over someone's fence in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the only thing. That's it. I was like, because you always think, you know, when you do acid, the set and setting is really important. And you want like a safe place yeah. to do it. So I was thinking like, wow, the only thing that makes any place safe really is just social norms. The fact that no one, that it's, it's weird for someone to like knock on your apartment door at 3 a.m. That you're just I mean, betting it's not going to happen, you know? Well, I do think, just to clarify, I do think there's a difference between comfort and control. It's definitely a difference. Like, comfort is just that. It's comforting. It it can be good. Like, when someone is in uh, a dire situation, it can help to calm them down to be in a comforting scenario, comforting uh, place. But control is, is different. That's where you want to manipulate circumstances that are really beyond you and don't matter and are trivial 
which is really the pinnacle of something like OCD. Like it's it's more ritualistic than anything. Yeah. You know, you're you become almost a slave to a ritual because you have an illogical fear and you know that it's illogical and that's the conundrum of it. You have this fear that something will happen or something bad will happen if you don't do things in a certain order or a certain way despite the fact that you know absolutely fully that it's foolish, but you can't control it. So I, I empathize with that because I've had my own problems with that when I was much younger. Mm. Now I'm just very orderly. I'm not really so bent out of shape about it. It doesn't bother me that much. Like the last time you're here, you spin my fucking chair around 180 degrees thinking I wouldn't catch this shit, and I knew. <laughs> but it didn't bother me. I just left it, and I left it that way on purpose to prove a point that it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, well, the fact that you're talking about it yeah, for the well, second time. Yeah, well, I, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But like when Brad was standing here, these little paintings above my head right here, <laughs> he fucking switched them. He would always do... He would do the so most. He, he was pretty good. Yeah. He was good at it. He would find the most minute shit to change, <laughs> and and honestly, he pulled a few over me. Like it, it took me a long. Like he would be gone for months. Yeah. Like after he went to went to China, like it was months, and I was like, "What? A, what the fuck?" <laughs> like I wouldn't notice it way way after <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> Just little things like that. But I mean, for the most part, like I'm, I've had enough. Obviously, I've talked about it at length a couple fucking podcast episodes ago. The suffering thing, uh, which was just more of a personal indulgence. That you know, I've suffered enough to where it's just like I recognize how very little control I actually yeah. have. If any, if anybody knows that, it's me. Like I have been dealt so many shitty hands that just that's life. It's just like fucking poker. You 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 play the fucking cards you know you do the best yeah. you can but at the end of the day you got the cards you got that's it it does seem to have like a a characteristic ebb and flow of it doesn't it because mm-hmm. i swear to god it could just be coincidence but it seems like when something goes right a bunch of things go right for a long time and then one big thing goes wrong and then everything just starts going worse and worse from that point on i think there is some logic to that though because the way i would argue in a logical manner is that okay something good happens you feel good about it and if you look like there's some old old statistic on this like for every bad thing that happens to you for every it's like every five good things so it's five good things happen to you five Mm -hmm. positive events all it takes is one negativity bias yeah that's all you think about you yeah but Mm -hmm. you dwell on that one negative thing Mm -hmm. so at five five to one all right well if something bad happens, like, I'll use myself as an example because I'm the fucking epitome of it. So something bad happens medically to me, right? Well, it's logical that more bad things would happen, and here's why. So you have a medical problem, let's say, and I, numerous people could, you know, relate to this because lots of people have different medical problems at some point in their life. So you have a medical problem. All right, something's wrong. You rectify it, but... When you do, like, a perfect example of this is a few months ago when I had that cardiac tamponade, that fluid around my heart and almost died, uh, they ha- they diagnosed this with a chest CT. All right, so, great. We identify the problem. It was fluid, and then they do what's called a pericardiosynthesis, where they pull it out with fluid. They pull, drain it with a fucking little tube, a teeny little tube. I still have a tiny little scar below my nip, my left nip, where they pull the <laughs> fluid out. Now... My point in all this is when they did the chest CT, a CT is, in, as I was saying earlier before we started recording, it's extremely advanced. It shows shit on, on the most minute level. And it showed that I have thyroid nodules. 
Now, if you know anything about thyroid nodules, they're extremely common. Most people will have a thyroid nodule, at least one, by the time they're they're elderly and a senior and whatnot. So it's not particularly uncommon. So I find out I have thyroid nodules. So I'm already, you have to imagine, all right, I have heart surgery. I'm already kind of paranoid from that. Then I start to build myself up. Then I have heart fluid and almost die. And obviously it's very mentally weakening. You're in a very vulnerable position because you realize how fragile, the fragility of life. All right, so you're coming off that. And then you find out it's not, when you look at it logically, it's not totally, you know, unheard of that they would see a thyroid nodule when they did that chest CT. I mean, they're looking at my entire anatomy of my torso where fucking all of my major organs are. Is it really that shocking that they find a couple little nodules? But see, they found them and then I get all paranoid, right? And then right after this, I started to get a lot of testing on this. I had a biopsy. They shoved a bunch of fucking needles in my neck. It was not particularly pleasant. Tested it for all kinds of stuff to see if it was cancerous and all this shit. Anyway, before I had the opportunity to get these tests, I had to go to my, I went to Miami. And so the whole time, Libby was already in Miami and she was waiting on me. So the plane, the, the plane ride there, have a layover and shit. I was like, so eat the fuck up with anxiety and paranoia i kept like having problems with my throat and gulping and shit and just it was driving me nuts i thought i was gonna lose my fucking mind on that plane because i was focusing on this shit and i was dwelling on something and then of course i got home a few days later took did the biopsy and it was negative but the point is is that when something negative happens like that and then you take a test and it's not ridiculous that they find something else and then that leads way to the next thing and the next thing and you're already in a negative state of mind so you're going to dwell on it so it seems like it's getting worse and likewise when something positive happens you feel better you feel good it's like a reverse placebo effect right exactly when you take a placebo you think you're getting better and so you do and you think that you're dying and so you are (laughs) exactly exactly like right now i just told you like this fucking shit i'm having right now i'm like oh fuck I can't fucking, I gotta, I can't take any risk, I gotta get this fucking test. I think the state of mind you should be in is that you you just survived all this stuff. And then you you gotta walk with your chest out and be like, oh, nothing can fucking get me. I'm I'm fucking invincible, motherfucker. Nine million lives, I'll never die, never die. You just gotta like. (laughs) I mean, you definitely feel that way sometimes. As you said, it's ebb and flow, and it absolutely is. Because after I had the tamponade shit, and I sort of built my way back up a little bit. Like in April, I would say like a month ago, I felt, I mean, really up until about a week ago, you do, you build that back up, you build your confidence, but it's a little different medically. Like when you really, really, really almost die and you, it's more, it has honestly the opposite effect. You don't, you don't feel like, fuck you, I'm this, I'm that. It's an incredibly, incredibly humbling experience. You realize you have a tremendous amount of respect for life and living and every singular breath that you take. And it sounds like an old cliche. And people say that shit, but they don't mean it and they don't really understand it until they live it. Yeah. Until you really live and you watch yourself like almost if, die. If you were it's in, different. If you had that kind of experience, then it would humble you enough to the point where you would be smart enough not to take on the view of, yeah, I'll never die. That can't get me. Oh, yeah, that's gone. Because, yeah, you, you'd be it's gone. You, you're too mature for that at that point. Well, it's but sort I feel of like, like if you could convince yourself kind of like false heartedly that it's true then that might actually be healthy for you well what it really comes down to is you don't there is no false like when you have near death when you have near death experiences like that you'll never have anything that's false and like this 
you know, ridiculous self-assurance. What happens is you peel back the layers and you get to the truth. You get to the reality of who you are and the reality of life. And you, you have, you do have a respect for life, but you also have, you have an understanding that it will end. It does end. There's nothing you can do. But what it does is it just makes you smarter. It makes you wiser. And you don't get that air of invincibility back. That's gone. I promise you. Once once it happens, you'll never get it back. I don't care what anyone says. Unless you fucking nearly die, I assure you, it doesn't come back. Because I was that guy. And if Brad, because Brad knew me before all this shit, he will tell you I was the most arrogant, narcissistic, self-inflated motherfucker you've ever met in your life. I promise you. Libby, when I first met her, she can confirm. She wants to walk in here and tell you, I assure you I'm that fucking guy. But when this happens, it doesn't break you. It changes you. And, and personally, it makes you a way better person. Way better. Because you see life for what it is, and you have a tremendous amount of compassion and empathy for other people. You see things at a human level and not as some brash, absurd fucking view. You know, you see it for what it is, and you really try to get to the heart of people and understand the dilemma. It makes you more diplomatic. So, but having said that, it makes you smarter in the sense that you see things, at least on a medical level. You know, I don't know about people who, like, almost die in a car accident or this, that, and the other. But in my personal experiences, it's made me smarter. It's made me more well-read. I understand things better. And I know the odds more. I know... Okay, this is probably unlikely. This may this may be a possibility, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, going back to the whole concept of control, is that you realize you have very little of it. So what you do is you you just revel in what you have, appreciate what you have, and that really is a huge problem in the modern world. Is no one ever, very few, very very few, ever stop to just truly. You don't know the times where, like, owning my own house. I'm 28. I have my own house. To just to walk on the back porch. We had this conversation. And we, you know, we weren't recording or anything. We were out with that badass little fire lamp thing I have. Yeah. You know, that little patio heater that's so all the ambiance. Mm-hmm. But just to to a, to turn and look and be like, wow, I live here. This is what I call home. This this place of solace and comfort. You know, this place of perceived security whatever you want to call it it's a place to lay your head and it's yours and no one can take it from you and to just have that feeling and that pride it's valuable it's valuable and what happens is no one appreciates where they are they're so caught up in where they want to be or where they think they should be and everyone thinks they deserve better you know i I know way too many people like that where they're they're not content with where they're at somehow they think they're better than that they, they have no appreciation of, I you know, I, I am where I am. Not that you shouldn't strive for more. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You need it to, a little yeah, bit. you absolutely should. But I'm just saying, we're talking on, on, on a very basic level, like the car you drive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not talking about your career, your your future, your endeavors. We're talking about, oh, like, yeah. your materialistic bullshit, yeah. right? Like, how nice your house is. And, you know, I told you the story about the guy who came to my house. And, yeah. you know, the guy's like, this is fucking pretty yeah, good the, for a starter guy, house. The guy who brought, what, brandy and a yeah, cigar? Yeah, brandy and a cigar, fucking douche. And, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Where it's just like, what, why? This, it's a fucking house. Like, I I go on my little fucking clicky-clack computer here. And then, you know, I go downstairs and do whatever I'm going to fucking do. I go to my bathroom. I take a shit. I go to my bedroom. I go to sleep. Like, that's it. It's all it's used for. 
you know, do you really need this, that, and the other? Do I really need a fucking Lambo? No, you know, I just have a, a pretty good car and just it does what it does. Like, that's it. And then the rest of life, you should have the bare essentials to survive. Past that, beyond that, it's merely a luxury. That's all it is. You don't need it. I promise you, you don't need that fucking fourth car, okay? Or that added on sunroom or this or that. You don't need it. I think when they did a study about happiness and income levels, they found that um, the more money you make, the happier you are up to $60,000 a year. I think I've read that study. Happiness goes down after that. It doesn't even stay the same. Yeah, I've read that. Yeah, and, and I do think, you know, don't get me wrong. I wrote a paper about this when I was in college, and, mm-hmm. you know, I took that side as well. It was like a debate, argument-based research class, and I took that stance as well, where I absolutely firmly believe money, it doesn't buy happiness, but it absolutely helps. When you, you know, if you look at marriages, you look at relationships, a lot of them, unfortunately, end based off of financial issues, which is sad, you know, because there's so much more shit that sucks in life, yeah. and the fact that money came between you, and Fortunately, that's not something I've ever really, of all the fucking problems I have had, that's never really been one of them, thankfully. I'd be super fucked otherwise, like medically, I'd be screwed. But, you know, it does help. It is important to just not have the stress, like the fact that I live in a country, in a scenario, have enough, a decent enough job to where I could just have enough money in my bank to where my fucking bills just draw automatically and I don't even think about it. I don't ever give it a thought, ever. I'm never like, oh shit, how am I going to be able to afford my bills, blah, 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 blah. I'm, that's a luxury. That is extremely, uh, you know, rare when you look at the entirety of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and what other people, most people don't even have cars. Okay, or, if you look at the world, they're in a fucking houses. bicycle. Or Yo, own houses. Yeah, like, come on. Like, There's most, kids who sleep in fucking wheelbarrows. I mean, I know? just mean people who have houses that don't own them. Like, they're like, i got to go to my house. Well, you, it's not your house. It's the bank's yeah, it's house. A, it's just a, stop, rent. Yeah, stop checking your mail for a couple months, and we'll see whose house it is at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. And to, and to just really own it, to have it, is a huge, you know, privilege almost. Like, yeah. it, people are so very detached from i don't you know reality may be perception but reality reality i had this fucking philosophy teacher i love this guy and his uh he had he he taught what was called little t truth and big t truths right little t truths are perception right like what you think is expensive i may think is even more expensive or Really not, or like how, very affordable. How much you think $100 is. Exactly. Your yeah. your perception of $100 might be v- v- totally different from mine, right? But likewise, there are big T truths. Like, the fucking sky, it is what it is. Those clouds, they're there, okay? Those clouds are there. Those stars are there. Like, you may see them in a different color. You might be colorblind, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're there. Gravity, it fucking exists. There's also um, another thing about this of the same things that are called primary and secondary qualities and to, to uh, objectify down or be more specific about what you're saying. The example I know of this is primary qualities are things like the, the ladder that you just described. Um, so velocity, charge, spin, uh, frequency, those are physics parameters. Um, and then those things are actually, the things that exist objectively of perception and then secondary qualities are 
things like color and taste and emotion and things like that that you were describing the the perceived things and but what's interesting is if you look at it it actually has almost a mirror effect because when you first hear about those right primary and secondary qualities or big t and little t truths your first you know your first instinct is to say okay well the objective ones are the true ones the you know the um the big t truths like you said that was the objective right the stars are there no matter how you see them or not um but if you look at it, those objective truths, um, like I said, charge, spin, velocity, mass, are actually the abstract ones because they're just ideas. They're not real things. Like when you say the stars are there, like... Are they really stars? Are they what, really what do you mean? I mean? What's a star to you? To me, a star is a, uh, a constant thermonuclear explosion that's slowly turning hydrogen into helium and then helium into lithium into heavier and heavier elements until it gets too heavy to continue fusing and then it collapses on itself. That's what a star is to me. Uh, but to you, it's just a ball of light. But if you want to talk objectively about it, you could get all the way down into the atomic structure and what fusion actually is. But the problem is that's so abstract. I mean, just ex- just examining it for more than a minute, you, know, you realize, okay, what is fusion? It's when um, two small nuclei combine to form a larger one and like, well, what's a nuclei it's a um an energy packet made up of a bunch of smaller hadrons or smaller quarks and then it's like what's a quark and then you can just keep going down yeah, until the stuff is ridiculous it. Yeah. so what i'm trying to argue for here is that the objective reality the capital t truths you were talking about are themselves abstractions on the little t truths or the primary qualities the things that we interpret subjectively are the real things and that's the only thing that's real and because these objective things are like frequencies they're just so abstract like who knows what any of those things are yeah. ultimately we you define know? those in the first place but what are they though like they're not they do seem to be objective because they go along with mathematics this is getting really abstract here just these are some deep philosophical shit yeah that goes way into yeah. it there's actually you, you, there's books written on this on whether or not mathematics describing the world is a coincidence some people are like oh yeah it totally should describe the world it makes perfect sense so it's not weird at all and some people are like that's fucking weird why should this equation describe what's happening here it's the that same is thing true. yeah i see that yeah quantum physics has the same argument like I don't know if you ever tried to read anything in quantum physics about like a superposition principle or quantum computing Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But if you read it, it's a little weird, but see when I read it and I feel like I understand it. I mean, I, I think I do, but when I read it, I don't think it's weird. I think it's, it's definitely something that's non, non intuitive. Um, like when you hear about something being in two places at once. But if you look at it mathematically, it's not really that weird. Um, it's just a different way of looking at logic. Um, but, you know, again, there's there's different... There's no consensus in theoretical physics at all because it has entirely to do with your perception of it. Some people think it's weird. Some people argue it's not weird and it's straightforward. So Yeah. It's That's weird, a lot. Yeah, strange stuff. That's a fucking lot to unpack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, I never really thought of it that way, I suppose. But still yet, like, I would say the average person, when you peel yeah. it back a little bit, when you fucking reel it back, like, yeah. you know, 
that's how they would perceive it, just on a more surface, shallow level. Yeah. But still, like people are, they're they're the problem is that they are so caught up in identity. Like identity is important. It's very important. It's incredibly important. Yeah. But the way in which people pursue their identity is. I don't want to say it's not wrong necessarily. There is no right or wrong. In well, the it. way they but, choose to define themselves. Yeah. The way they choose to define the, the path they take, you know, I'm not going to tell you the way you define yourself is wrong or, you know, that's not my place, but the path you take often nowadays is leads people badly askew. You know, they're reading too much crap, just too much trash, you know, like you have trash TV. Well, you have trash internet too. Yeah. You know, you just have all the social media, this, that, and the other. And people, they're only concerned with what the next person's doing, and the next person's doing, and the next person doing. And they see a sliver of someone's life online. And, you know, going back to the Bow Wow shit, we recorded this like way back. This was like one of the first things we recorded. I told you it was Jet. He wasn't, he fucking posted a picture of his private jet, and then some guy posted a picture of him on coach, mm-hmm. you know, on fucking regular ass flight. It's perception, but people see that and they idolize it, and people want to be like it, and you know, rather than carving out their own identity. And I get it; it's hard. Like it took me a long time to to really truly identify myself. Uh, and I promise you, you won't really know who you are until you suffer. It goes back to what I said a couple episodes ago. Like you're going to suffer. You will. It's not avoidable. Uh, you know, you can you can run. You can take drugs. You can do this. You can do that. You can get lost in a fantasy, but at the end of the day, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to look in the mirror and you're going to have to come to terms with who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do with your life. And I'm not saying you have to fucking, you know, uh, help solve the fucking world hunger crisis or this, that, or the other. Everybody has a part to play. But the fact is, is it's your responsibility to find the path to figure out what, what part you're going to play, not someone else's. So don't blame. Don't blame. And you want to talk about control, that's where you should take control, is to take control of your own path. But just accept that not everything is in your control, that sometimes chaos takes the fucking wheel and it just doesn't matter what you want. But that's not an excuse to blame other people and say, oh, well, fuck, you know, they're just out to get me or this, that, or the other. And that's the world we live in. People play this fucking victim card constantly. Just because your car is losing control does it mean you should just let go of the wheel well it's like if we're playing poker and you get bad cards you're like the game's rigged yeah. it's fucking rigged you know that's some trump shit like it's rigged yeah. the election's rigged it's fucking rigged well there's actually there's a lot of uh psychological research done on that about how how people behave for, for games whether or not they think they're rigged like even if um a small number of pe- a very small percentage of people will be successful at a certain game Generally speaking, people are fine with that. Even if it's only one out of 100,000 people being successful, they're fine with it. It's like the lottery, right? Like, it doesn't matter if there's a one in a billion chance of winning the lottery, you'll still play it. But if you find out that it was rigged and that no one was winning, then you'd be pissed. So that's the thing, is that it's much simpler to just blame the game than it is to, you know, find fault in in yourself. So Right. I mean, that goes back to, like, fucking video games I play. <laughs> You know, with my buddies online and stuff, yeah. you know, like the, it's easy to just this fucking guy. Like when we usually play, we play as a team of four, 
Yeah. And there's always a fifth guy because it takes five people on a team. So the fifth guy is always a stranger. So the 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 natural response is to blame the other guy. Like, we are, we fucking lost. It was that guy. Devo, come on now. Every time you sabotage with these fucking squeakies. Every time. So we always naturally want to blame that fifth guy. This fucking guy he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Like, we, no, we were probably just as much at fucking fault, you know. But some of us are going to be willing to accept that. And most people aren't. Most people are like, yeah, it was him. You know, there's no way it could have been you, you know, and and it's about responsibility. You just have to own it. If you fuck up, just own it. Just just grow up. It's fine. But yeah, as far as control goes, you have very little of it. But when you do have it, use it well. You know, try to for fuck's sake, Devo, try try to carve out a positive path when you do have control. What what little time in your life you actually have control? You know, um, like when I was saving for this house, I was in control of that money, right? I saved it. Yeah. I worked for it, saved it, did my thing. I could have went out here and fucking spit thousands of dollars on drugs or what? It, what the fuck ever, motorcycles, stupid shit. But I saved it. I was in control of it and got a home, right? That's where control really does come into play to an extent. Yeah. You know, of course, I could have got hit by a fucking car on the way to the bank, whatever. But you have some, but when when life goes poorly for you, you just have to accept that maybe you were partly responsible, and to an extent, at least in my experiences, life's just fucking chaos, and you're just dealt bad cards sometimes. What do you do? You just play again, and again, and again, and again, and again. That's it. And you keep playing until you die. You never well, give up. Well, you 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 don't have any options. Yeah, you play. You keep. You say, yeah. "Fucking hit me." Let's play again. Or yeah. you fold and blow your fucking brains out. That's, pick. that's why it's called a forward escape. There's no other way to do it. I think yeah. I was telling you about this uh, last time we were talking, but it wasn't during the podcast. It was when we were sitting on your back porch, and I was making an analogy for when I went on this backpacking trip and I hiked. Yeah, that, that mountain. Yeah, I want to tell this story because it matches perfectly with what we're saying. But there was this campsite down in this valley, and it's about a two-mile hike to the campsite lengthwise, and it's about half a mile down in elevation to get to this thing. So it takes me about 45 minutes to hike down, and I'd hiked down there and out before without a, without a pack just for the day, and it took me about two and a half hours to hike out with no weight on my back, just a couple of water bottles. And so... I go down there, and, you know, I had checked the weather that night, but you can't really get accurate weather predictions out there in the mountains because you have to get weather predictions for the closest city. So you don't know what the weather's actually going to be like when you get there. And I just remember falling asleep after I had gone to bed, and I woke up in what I thought was the middle of the night, and it was freezing cold. And, you know, I had a sleeping bag rated down to 30 degrees, but I was I was just freezing cold. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta see what time it is. If it's three in the morning, I can tough it out from now on. But if it's early, and I checked the phone or my, well, check the time, and it was like nine o'clock. I was like, well, I have to leave because I'm gonna freeze to death down here if I don't leave. So I packed up all my stuff into pitch black, and put the forty pound pack on my back, and proceeded to hike half a mile up in elevation, two miles lengthwise. Took me about three hours to get out from about. 10 o'clock at night to 1 in the morning but I got out and I just remember at one point being about halfway up the thing 
and I was so tired from hiking all that way out. I had hardly eaten anything that day, and I just remember thinking, like, this is going to fucking suck to walk out the rest of this thing. And I was like, well, what, what are my options, you know? I don't have any options. There's no cell phone service. It's going to get even colder if I stay here any longer. I can't stay here. I can't go back. I have to just leave, you know? And it's, again, like what we were saying. There is no other option. You can't. You have to just keep trying, you know, keep playing the game over and over again. Yep. I mean, it, it's either that or death. Yeah, it's that or freeze. Pick one. Yeah. I don't know. You don't, you don't. That's what I'm saying. And like Kenny Powers said, death is for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. But it's fucking going down. Everybody yeah. dies a pussy yeah. then. But yeah, I mean, for sure. Like I, you, when you're at that, I've had my own different, obviously different experiences. N- never that, but more like, you know, medical shit where you're just, you're at the fucking end and you know. Now, granted, in my scenario, it was more like in the hands of other people. Like, it's not really up to me. Yeah. So, you know, but still, like, you have to, if I hadn't gone, I would have died, you know? So, you just have to be proactive. You have to be assertive. You have to, when you have control, exert it. Use it. Capitalize on it. But when you don't, don't blame this, that, and the other. Just accept that fucking life is random sometimes. And you know you're you're not special. You're not. You're really, really not. You're just you're just you. You're just a fucking tiny speck of random. And you just do the best you can. That's it. But people are just too too fucking into the whole control notion. It all fucking comes full circle. Just stop the media stuff. Everything. You know it just it's too much. It's way too much. People are overloading on the shit, and they're just reading too much about absurd scenarios that will probably likely never happen. Oh, like, they're so fucking like deranged in people's imaginations. And I don't know how much of it, you know, I don't believe like oh fucking violent movies and games creates violent behavior, but it really fucks with people's imaginations. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, like for example, uh, like. Uh, manga right which is like it's like a com it's like a japanese comic book in the 70s or 80s or some shit there was this guy who created some shit i don't know his name and he was more or less the founder of like manga porn of hentai right so now like we just totally there are people who just they, they just jerk off to like octopi fucking women that's normal to them they love it that's their thing you know this normal shit just don't like a fucking dick and a pussy and a butthole just don't do it anymore for them they're like nope i need some tentacles i need some fucking suction motherfuckers you know so i don't know all right guess we'll wrap it up you're gonna wrap it up there i'm gonna wrap it up all right that's a good image leaving people's heads i feel like all right you all enjoy that that's it that's it